you. This is fantastic. The tartness of the umeboshi and the, the waves of ferment, it's, it's rich and yet it's clean. It's delicious. Yes, well, there was a time that would have meant a lot to me, Miss Bloom. So good. It's really good. You know, it's it's the emoji for me. Umaboshi. Hmm? Umaboshi. Umaboshi. This is so good. You're very talented. Thank you. Usually don't like foam, but. No. Be afraid. There's nothing to fear except God. Whatever that means to you. Do I look like someone who cares what God thinks? <laughs> You're listening to a podcast exploring faith and fear, what scares us and what saves us. This is The Fear of God. Hello, and welcome back to your favorite podcast at the intersection of faith and fear, where every week we discuss what scares us in order to find what saves us this is the fear of God. Speaking to you right now is one of your hosts, Nathan Rouse, and typically with me is fellow co-host Reed Lackey. Guys, he was here, but he he said he needed to go tidy up an Amazon order for a new Paco Jet real quick. I'm sure he'll be back and explain to all of us what in the world a Paco Jet is and does. Uh, but that's Reed for you, you know, just always doing the new. Uh, in the meantime, allow me to welcome you listeners back to a brand new year here at the Fear of God podcast and into our current series. Every February, we cover films from the previous year's slate of horror releases, and 2023 is no different. What is different is today we'll not only be covering a 2022 film, but I am also joined right now by personal friend and friend of the fog, illustrator and graphic novelist, creator of the Wesley Brothers online comic, the previously released graphic novel submitting to be more vile, and here to celebrate the recent announcement of his forthcoming graphic novel, Incompatible. It is one of the FBI's least wanted. No, not Fox Mulder. Even better, it is Charlie Baber. Charlie, thank hey, you for being here. Hey, man. You know, it's quite an honor. I've I've never been introduced so well. Well, you know... I've got a short list of things I'm good at, and oh, uh, cool. I'm I'm thankful that you know celebrating others in introduction is one of those things. Um, okay. You know, so I'm I'm also just thankful you're here. Uh, it's always a pleasure to have you, listeners. Charlie was previously featured on our clergy roundtable we did for the Netflix series Midnight Mass, uh, and today is here to discuss the 2022 film that has us all salivating that of the menu but yes but before we say mouthfeel permit me to remind you listeners 
that here at the fear of God we explore. We don't explain. Except for right now when I explain that you can find not only your hosts and other foggy peers in our Fear of God Facebook group, yes, but any and every other fog and fear of God thing imaginable can be found at thefearofgodpodcast.com, such as how to support us on Patreon, as well as essays, team bios, episode archives, merchandise. Read. It's here. Here I am. Do do you push by now? Did you get it? Yes. Uh, yes, exactly. You know what? I was going to break into the conversation with a big uh, clap, but wow. I figured I'd yeah. bust it yeah, and blow out the microphone. It would, I would have appreciated it. It wouldn't quite have translated <laughs> in the purely no. audio medium. Everybody would have been like, what is that weird sound yeah. that just came out? Nathan just yeah, stopped making- suddenly. <laughs> we're a little thankful, but we're curious why. Yeah, um, I have not ordered a Paco Jet, though. No, it's, uh, hmm. no, I decided against it. Wouldn't know how to use it. I'll, know the, I'll just know what to get you for Christmas then. Oh, please don't. Jet. Um, <laughs> Reed, Charlie's here. Mr. Chuckle T. Hey, himself. Charlie. It is hey, really good Reed. to see you again, man. So good. How you doing? So good. Doing great. Awesome. Charlie. Thank you for being here. It, thr- it thrills my heart as a little tiny sidebar here that not just you're you, but that your name's Charlie, that we have a mutual love of X-Files and that one of our favorite late uh, entry X-Files creatures is Mr. Chuckle Teeth. And I just Mr. love Chuckle that I can Teeth. use that to apply to you um, yeah you know as someone who grew up uh being compared to a tuna fish like sorry charlie all the time <laughs> oh, it's okay. nice it's nice that um you know the x-files uh season like what 12 yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> transitioned me into mr chuckle teeth that's season too many but yeah. you know it gave us chuckle teeth and we're thankful <laughs> we're thankful for that uh, in this moment um we got some quick business to attend to um uh we referenced it uh the first three episodes of this year we will repeat it here friends and foggers we are coming up on our brand new patron uh, uh perk for the year that of the happy hour horror hangouts charlie as our guest i need you to say that phrase twice happy hour horror hangouts happy hour horror hangouts there you go. Hey. Thank you. Good job. That He's deserves a natural. you clap. Uh, so I just uh, <laughs> motioned that. Um, yes. Upcoming happy hour horror hangouts. Our very first one will be February 26th. That is a Sunday at 3 p.m. We're going to hang out for about 45 minutes in a Zoom session. You will get the link via the uh, Patreon feed. Um, it's just it, it's it's meant to be lo-fi. It's meant to be uh, a lot of fun hanging out, just talking about what we've been watching, you know, cheersing each other with our coffee depending on the time of day with our alcoholic beverage depending on the time of the day that's what's going to be wild it's like you're going to have some people in one time zone being like oh i'm just here's my coffee you know and then some people's like nope <laughs> it is truly happy hour at this point um nonetheless uh, uh join our patreon now even at just the five dollar level to get in on the very first of what will sure surely be many happy hour horror hangouts Speaking of Patreon, though, and, um, you know, speaking of the menu, Charlie and Reed, it's time to go through the drive through. So let's hop in the patron mobile. So about this episode, um, this is exciting. So, Charlie, oh. <clears throat> um, we've already name dropped your forthcoming graphic novel, but I want to give you a little runway here uh, titled Incompatible. 
I want to share quickly uh, what you posted, uh, two quick sentences, um, and then uh, i got a question for you here. So, Incompatible upcoming graphic novel from Mr. Charlie Baber is part history, part theology, a book that tells the tale of queer Christian exclusion. That's a... That's Words are hard. Queer yeah. Christian exclusion. Uh, through the lens of the 1972 Conference of the United Methodist Church, it also offers a theological way forward that embraces full inclusion and affirmation of all sexual and gender identities. So my first question, Charlie, is why this kind of softball? You know, I mean, where <laughs> is the incisive, the cutting, willing to stick your neck out material I, I expect from you? This is just not, um, you know, like, come on, man. <laughs> Life's too short. Uh, <laughs> right. So clearly I'm kidding. Um, but I would invite and love to hear Charlie, because actually, uh, though, you know, we're in pretty routine connection, haven't really talked about this since it's relatively recent announcement. Um, tell Reed and I and kind of our listeners what kind of inspired Incompatible, how uh, ultimately can this, as the the blurb I just read, springboard us from the specificity of the Methodist denomination to something broader for people of faith, yeah. if you can. Um, so about a year ago from this time, uh, there was an announcement kind of publicly that made national news as well that, um, I, I guess you could say the more traditional, uh, group within, uh, United Methodism announced that they were leaving the denomination and starting a new denomination. Um, and of course, their announcement was all just positive and glowing about how great it was going to be. But it literally, literally is mostly just based in um, we don't want to include gay people in any way or even affirm mm -hmm. that they exist. Um, and we don't like that the United Methodist Church is I, I mean, the United Methodist Church isn't even yet affirming, but it's heading in that direction. So um, I work in the United Methodist Church and um, am a gay person, <laughs> Christian, mm -hmm. and um, just, uh, I, and also utterly fascinated with history. Um, and so I was finding that there was a lot of misinformation going around about everything. And um, as a mm -hmm. historian or as someone interested in history, with a platform of weekly web comics, I just mm -hmm. started uh, uh, insatiably researching uh, the roots, the historical roots behind where language came from in our denomination, particularly mm -hmm. um, that people assume has just been there since the baby Lord Jesus was born. Um, <laughs> and uh, particularly the language in our denomination is uh, it says uh, the practice of homosexuality is incompatible with Christian mm. teaching. Um, mm. And so the more I researched, I was like, this story is so fascinating. Um, there's uh, a lot, lots of just really good story elements in the basic history. Um, and so I just started illustrating it. I didn't originally intend for it to be more than like a five week series. Uh, but I received so much um, positive uh, feedback from my regular readers um, and people started sending me more and more research to dive into that. It just mm -hmm. kept expanding and I decided to make it a full uh, length 
it's it's longer than a normal comic book, smaller than a lengthy graphic novel. Um, sure. <laughs> so really, like the first twelve pages of the book are just the specifics of Methodism and where that language came from, and then the rest of the book is just the broader Christian and Western civilization movements connecting the dots over the last 2000 years um, that brought us culturally to this moment where Christians are very divided and um, really kind of drawing lines against each other. I mean, there's loads of issues we're doing that on, but this one is sure coming to the forefront. And um, so anyway, I, I finished the book in September maybe and uh, have been seeking someone to partner with to publish it and got that contract signed a couple weeks ago. So that's exciting. Awesome. No, that's so exciting. So I presume because the contract is, you know, the, the ink is barely drying that we don't have a release date or anything like that. Cause I I'm, I'm eager to read this. That's true. Um, Right now it's being edited and Mm -hmm. I'm fine tuning the, like the end notes, which is the really boring researchy part of the book. <laughs> sure. Um, it's like, I write comics that I don't have to write research papers, um, but I, I want it. I want it to be well-documented. So um, yeah, sure. Of course. The, my goal is that it will be, it can be on your bookshelf before summer. Um, oh, wow. Ooh, that would be wonderful. Awesome. I, uh, yeah. I don't, I don't know if you're able to say, so I won't, you can say if you are able to, but um, I know who you partnered with to publish. I love that publishing house. I am on yeah. the newsletter and everything. And I think they're, I think they're really, I, I've, I've bought several of their books, many, many of their books now at this point. And uh, I, I, I was really excited when I saw the announcement. Cause I think um, it, it's just, I'm really proud of and excited for you and I'm eager to read the material. And I just think it's uh, I just think it's really exceptional. Um, I had, a, I had an additional question. Oh yes. So as you're able um, or as you desire. So what was the response you received to the announcement of the book? Um, has it been, you know, pretty unilaterally supportive, a, a bit of a mixed bag? What, what kind of feedback did you get? <laughs> I feel like that's a trap. Just well, it's not a trap. As, wow. <laughs> as Nathan said, this is a real softball pitch of a book. Sure. So <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Just like nothing, but everybody's so pumped for it. No, um, no I have, uh, received a lot of uh, particularly people in churches that um, are either open to conversation and dialogue around this or Mm. pastors who want like a helpful resource to inform their churches. Sure. Sure. Um, Because so many people come to um, LGBT inclusion in the church uh, really without almost any knowledge, like just assumptions. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I'm pleased that a lot of people <clears throat> want to use this for an educational sort of resource. Um, but of course you can imagine, um, there's plenty of, uh, comments that I end up just blocking or. Yeah. A lot of Bev Keens out there. On a, yeah. <laughs> so, yes. All the Bevs. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they yeah. do love a fire. Out of curiosity, Charlie, the uh, I, I think this is what you were saying, but for listeners who take an interest in your work currently, one, tell us before we move into the film uh, what the URL for Wesley Brothers uh, Bros is, but also can 
material that's going to end up in incompatible is it is some of that currently on the site yeah so um my website is wesleybros.com um and uh i'd also encourage you uh if you have instagram to go to at wesley bros comics and i post more daily stuff there whereas my website is weekly stuff Mm -hmm. um and the entire series uh is on my website published serially Mm. um so not like an ebook reader sort of thing yet but um it's also kind of pre-edited so uh the what you'll get from the published book will uh, be similar but not exactly the same sure Uh, sure. same same enough content but um, Uh, i'm curious because i know you uh have a pretty thriving patreon for wesley brothers will um, do will ultimately the publishing you know versions or rights or whatever iterations permit you to do any sort of tie-ins for yourself related to it i'm hoping so um yeah it's still, still a little that. new yeah okay yeah <laughs> plus i'm no, well, pretty sure i'm the world. first uh i'm the first comic slash graphic novel that cascade books has published so oh uh, interesting okay the world's All are right. the world's our oyster Yes, <laughs> you're setting um, the ground setting the groundwork yeah uh well that's awesome we're excited for you i'm i'm Thank thrilled you. you're here um absolutely and uh we'll definitely keep our listeners uh attuned to updates as they come along um that said about this movie mm-hmm. so some a practice we've developed is a brief summary uh as provided by um the one and only small business of apple uh their, <laughs> their perhaps you've heard of them <laughs> <laughs> i think they're going places uh the menu synopsis uh as recorded on the apple movie entry is a young couple travel to an elite remote coastal island in order to dine at an exclusive restaurant where a mysterious chef has prepared a lavish expensive menu it soon becomes clear that the pretentious pampered dinner guests are about to be served some shocking surprises i'm going to leave it there because the rest is editorial um it's a pretty straightforward concept here uh but largely social satire but also um you know skirts that horror uh thing that that has us talking about it today um typically we kind of start with some first takes um i'll i'll kind of start us off and then charlie and and reed if you'll if you'll wrap us up and then we'll do some that and rights but like sure i've got a funny relationship to this movie now so i will own that i think i got overhyped the first time Hmm. like the 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 wellspring of you gotta watch it it's amazing you will love it not even necessarily directed at me specifically, but just like the general, like, Oh my God, such that when I did watch it, I will own was slightly underwhelmed. Um, Hmm. and so uh, I will own even kind of when Charlie, you were kind of rolling the dice on what to cover once you chose this, like, okay, well, that's fine. Charlie chose it. And we're going to talk about it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But I'm kind of happy to report that uh, one, uh, uh, something that impacted my second viewing was actually my uh, wife did sit down and watch it with me. It was, it was funny. She is pretty 
pretty out on most of this stuff. Um, and I just said, you know, I'm going to turn this on again. You know, she's, she's working on a puzzle right now. So in the room was this little table with a puzzle laid out on, on it. And, uh, she got sucked in real quick. Now there is actually a key distinction between this movie and most, almost anything else, but one of her dear friends, husbands, husbands, husband, uh, is a costumer uh for mm. films and did costume uh oh nice end. so she had an inbuilt kind of like mm. hook there but it was just really funny watching her watch this movie and man um you know just just the rolling experience of kind of as things start to escalate but even <clears throat> so that that contributed to positive energy for my viewing of it but i think separate from uh, that weight of expectation and, and read, we talked about this with Matt Ruff about Nope last week of, of just trying to let the thing be what it is, uh, yeah. without, yeah, of course. and, and, and that's hard. And, and I'll, I'll kind of own that in, in a, a marketing saturated cultural landscape, like we have where it's like people watching things at various times and, and hyping things and all that sort of stuff. So kind of going back into it, I was ready. I was like, okay, let me give this a, a, a fairer shake this time. And I don't know that I will come away saying I love it and, or will, you know, kind of cue it up uh, more in the future. But I will say this, like I was very, to the extent I feel like I kind of understand it's deeper elements. Uh, some of the, the tectonic plates it's working with thematically maybe sounds weird to say I got kind of moved. Like I'm going to own it. Maybe it's just the, the, the moment in life I'm in right now, but I got a little misty eyed about halfway through, which is a little weird just as I was just really digging in and, and sort of making myself do the work of like, okay, think about what is happening here and, and, and who are these people and why are they, uh, I don't, I don't mean the guests. I mean, specifically finds character and, and in relationship to Anya Taylor joy and even, the the kitchen staff themselves like i got kind of in this weird uh weird in a positive way i got i emotionally responded in a way i didn't expect uh mm. in this second viewing that didn't like linger or last or lead to weeping or anything like that but it was just like okay i i like what this is doing far more than my initial take uh yielded and am looking forward now to a conversation about it with my buddies. Um, so, so that was kind of my, my first and second take here, Charlie, what, what about you? Was it, was it love at first bite? <laughs> right. So, uh, uh, differently from you, I actually knew nothing about this movie going in, except mm -hmm. I trust my baby brother's recommendations. And he literally just texted and said the menu <laughs> and I had nothing to do that night, so I turned it on. <clears throat> That's and, funny. Um, and all I saw was like the kind of, you know, I guess on HBO Max, like just little, like they categorize it as maybe like horror comedy or something. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And so because I saw the word horror, I just kept making up in my mind what I thought was going to be happening. And so, um, there was the benefit of really knowing nothing about it where mm. um, I adore chef's table. Like I love that show so much. <laughs> and the very first time, like when they get on the Island and the camera, like shows you like the shellfish and the flowers uh -huh. and then the little mm -hmm. violin started playing. I was like, Oh my God, this is chef's <laughs> table. 
the horror movie. That's <laughs> I can't funny. Wait. Um, so I will have to say, I do love the mouthfeel of this movie because uh, <laughs> it is. Don't say mouthfeel. <laughs> it is so culty. Like mm-hmm. instantly, the moment you meet Elsa, you know this is going to be a culty experience. Like when they when she's checking in the guests. Oh yeah. And um, just her reaction to Margot being the wrong person. Uh, and, you know, I thinking this was going some sort of weird horror take on like cannibalism or like mm. uh, maybe they're going to feed each other to. I, I was thinking it was going to go much more dark, I guess, in the that side of things. And was uh, we'll get it to it in the that ain't right segment. But um, I, I just I was genuinely surprised by the direction uh, that the the horror side of it took um, mm-hmm. just because I think having recently just watched like barbarian, which was more like what I would say, <laughs> what I think of when I think of horror. Sure. Um, sure. It surprised me in a, I guess a different way. So. No, that's cool. That's cool. Um, so I had also heard the hype that Nathan had heard. Um, the menu was my major blind spot when I was trying to construct what I was going to sort of lock in as my favorite horror films of the previous year. I had not yet seen the menu and wanted to never got the opportunity. Uh, well, yeah, opportunity and availability never uh, arose and, and intersected. So when it dropped on HBO max, uh, same day, like that afternoon, like literally I was like, okay, done with work and queuing up the menu. Like that's what's happening. Um, and so it was, so for my first viewing, it wasn't overhyped for me. Um, I genuinely sort of got on the wavelength very quickly. I don't watch foodie shows um, by and large, but what was interesting is I have such rabid affection for another foodie film that we've covered on the show, but it's not really horror um, pig with starring Nicolas Cage. Um, which is also very sort of foodie centric, foodie um, adjacent. And so I think that film and my affection for it kind of put me on the wavelength to be ready to receive whatever menu was offering to me, uh, serving to me, I guess you should say. Um, and I, I was really, really taken with it. I, I loved it. I loved where it went. I loved its narrative sort of structures. I, it was the kind of film that the first time I saw it, I was like, I'm going to revisit this and pick up all these little nuances and pick up all these little intricacies. And I'm going to think about that character, one viewing, and I'm going to think about that character, another viewing. I just, I was all in on it. I thought, I thought it was really, really wonderful. And the second viewing did not disappoint. Um, It further solidified that I will echo what you said, Nathan, that like I found some sequences, particularly in the mid to last third, um, uh, found it genuinely moving where I was like, wow, this is, I'm curious to hear how our conversation goes about it, but I was very taken with what the film was interested in and in how it was expressing these different ways to approach that subject. Um, so yeah, this is, this is a, this is an upper tier one for me. I love it. It's a film I can easily see myself revisiting as the years go on. So yeah, I think the menu is wonderful. Thanks. Great. Well, 
shall we start off with a bit of an appetizer, fellows, and an amuse bouche, if you will? An am- amuse bouche. Oh, there you go. There it is. Your turn, Reed. <laughs> Say it. <laughs> amuse bouche. <laughs> what, he what? totally won't understand the amuse. <laughs> it is time for the part of the show where we discuss things that aren't just wrong, but of which might be said that ain't right. So that ain't right. This is where we talk about the actual horrific things for a show that talks about horror movies. This is where we do that. Um, Charlie, you are our guest. You are our friend. Why don't you why don't you pick first from the menu? What what just is that upper tier Paco Jet originated that ain't right for you? <laughs> uh I think for me it was the moment that uh um you you kind of finally saw where they were really were gonna be taking the movie. And that would be the moment when Jeremy 86 himself, the mm. mess. <laughs> yeah. The mess. The mess. And, um, just the, that's the, that's the, uh, uh, listeners. I sent Charlie and Reed a photo of my wife, uh, with her hands to her mouth in oh. aghast. Uh, yeah. and it was right when, uh, the mess, uh, is served. That moment will do it. Yeah. Mm. And, um, I think, um, it's it's not i mean yes it was like shocking because i didn't <clears throat> i didn't see that that was the turn they were going to be taking with this movie um like like the murder suicide turn sure um, yeah although it totally fits the culty vibes like completely mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um but just like the whole scene like chef looks at margo right before he presents the mess because that's the moment he decides she's stuck with us. We're doing this no matter what. Yeah. And then um, the, it's presented like suicide as art, which I mm-hmm. think is very disturbing and problematic. Yeah. And, um, and like chef's reinforcement of his own egocentricity and just like, he's good, but he'll never be great. Like, um, like just rubbing it in his face that I am better than you. And the only thing worth your career is you doing this right now. Lord have mercy. Yeah. And, um, and then I, 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 but I also like the, the second that ain't right is right after that when everybody's shocked, but then they immediately reengage as if this is just an experience designed for them. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's all theater. That it's theater. It's all theater. Yeah. Right. Let, can I, let me, uh, so I'm going to throw a thought <laughs> that I'm sorry. Spicy. Spicy. Um, I want to throw a thought out that we can circle back around uh, on come dessert time, uh, i.e. thematics, because Charlie, it's funny the way you articulated chef's uh, setup for the mess is actually not how I read it the second time. Oh, really? And this is where this is this thread and I'm going to do a crap job of articulating it. Uh, but this, this, the seed of the thread, I'm going to try to describe here in, in what I sort of saw there is what put me on a path of kind of emotionally 
clicking in with at least some version of of thing I was seeing. And it to me, I'm not arguing this is definitively what the movie is doing. I am saying what I saw there was because because what you learn, listener, a spoiler alert, uh, what you learn is this is all a setup. This is this is all a meticulously plotted, orchestrated thing to not just exterminate the guests uh, and what that signifies and means, but that they are all the the kitchen staff uh, with Slowick at the head, chef at the head, are all going to partner in this extermination. Um, and and so to me, it wasn't Je- Jeff. Is that his name? What was his name? Jeremy. 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 To me, to me, right now, the second viewing, chef saying you will never be this to Jeremy wasn't your talents could not reach the heights. It was to me, this character chef who has reached a place philosophically where it is all empty, right? That like Mm -hmm. there is nothing, no height is uh, worthy of what is possible here. And instead of, instead of him saying, you are low and beneath me. He's saying, because of what you're about to do, the thing that you could theoretically get to will not be available to you. Does that make sense? That distinction makes yeah. sense at all? That he's I, being I, I, more literal rather than metaphorical. Mm, that yes. he's being more like, you will never be great because you are not going to proceed from this Correct. moment. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, gotcha. throwing that thought in there because that's, because I agree with you. My first viewing, that's exactly what I sort of took away. But as I was trying to assess it a little further, that was kind of what I was seeing. Um, I'll I'll pivot into kind of my then right here and read you back. Clean up here. You clean up the mess. Um, <laughs> R.I.P. Jeremy Loudon. That's right. <laughs> so those little like plates the final are so fun. Of the mess. Yes. R.I.P. <laughs> so Jeremy Loudon. Those are great. Um, a little like my maybe offbeat that ain't right for barbarian when aj makes the phone call to megan right the confessional phone Mm, call there's a character moment in this that for me on the second viewing kind of superseded even the most absurdist you know kind of uh, deaths or mutilations or whatever and it's the revelation that tyler knew all along Oh like, yeah, that that's up there on my list. <laughs> is like a gut punch narratively, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and and when that card gets played, because it isn't just you suspected, it. it isn't just I told you. It is we have been in communication for months, at least weeks. Maybe he says months. I can't recall exactly, but a span of time. Months. Yeah, I think he said a months. Span yeah. of time, and and not only that, the only reason she is sitting here with you is because you broke up with someone and or whatever the relationship falling out was like, why did you do this? You knew this, like that is a mm-hmm. devastating narrative oh, turn, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. that even, even knowing or, or having seen the movie once already, even seeing it again, the second time was like, Oh my God. Like there's just, mm-hmm. it, it takes his sycophantry to a whole other level it, it reshapes what you've been watching and i i'll throw this out reed we don't do traditional likes dislikes like we used to but i think yeah i mean one i think pretty much every lead in this is fantastic but nicholas holt is killing it he is yes. just oh, God. yes having yes. a hell of a time he's fun to watch he is such an yep. asshole 
And he is slimy as a scallop, man. Like, yeah. He is, yes. <laughs> and, and I love watching him do it, but mm-hmm. that revelation changes everything you've seen from him so far. Yes. And, uh, that, that to me yeah. kind of topped my, that ain't right. No, absolutely. Um, so actually Charlie took my number one. Nathan took my number two. Sorry. Sorry. No, no, no apologies needed. Uh, the, I mean, the, those are the big ones. Um, I'm glad you let me go first. Thanks. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> So honestly, like, I think what I will point to, and then I'm going to pivot, I'm going to pivot to something that if I get paused and say, Hey, let's bounce out of the segment. I won't argue with it. Um, so my, my next, that ain't right is a broad sort of more existential thing of like how into this everybody is the cooking staff and eventually the guests that just how participatory everybody is in this thing uh particularly i think about god what is her name i should have written her name the girl the girl that's checking everybody in um elsa. when elsa okay so when and anna yeah. <laughs> not 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 the same story um but when <laughs> she uh you know when she goes off on uh margo and uh you know whose real name is aaron but when she goes off on margo and uh, says you won't replace me you know like she's trying to kill her and like they're all gonna die anyway it, it was just this weird mm. sort of there's this dichotomy that happens and then it it, it highlighted for me uh, here's what shocked me so so my that ain't right and maybe this will close a button on it because what i'm about to introduce maybe should be outside of this segment but uh, my that ain't right is just how embracingly participatory everybody is in this. Eventually, the uh-huh. guests as well. Um, that just it it it's so not right, Charlie. I love 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 the way you put it. Um, the the suicide as art dynamic really disturbing because honestly, like we highlight Jeremy and the mess, but they all do it. They all do it. Yeah. It's the entirety of this motif is suicide as art, and that is profoundly disturbing. Um, it is really, it can be kind of upsetting if the film didn't have the tone that it did. Um, it still even uh-huh. is upsetting as it is, but I do think the film, um, undercuts, uh, I don't, I'm not using the right culinary word, but it, uh, it, it tones down <laughs> the palette on how absolutely egregiously disturbing that thought would be, um, uh-huh. with its general vibe, with its flavor. Um, but here's the other thing that I found really compelling and I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to say it how it is, knowing what happens in the film, knowing every piece of it, and a lot of it is rooted in the performance, but I think more of it is rooted in the character. I love the chef. Like, I, I, like I, lo- <laughs> I, 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 I <laughs> yeah. love the character. I, and, and it's not just like, oh, isn't Ray Fiennes? Like, I'm like, I love this guy. Like, I can see, and this is why I think the film does such great work. It's like, I can see why people get sucked into this. I love that mm-hmm. guy. When he found out and called out Tyler for what he had been doing, Nicholas Holt's character, when he called him out for it, his parade takedown of him is glorious. It is magnificent. The way he, oh, you are a chef. Come here. You're a cook. You know, he says, you're a cook. Come here. Let me write your name on it. Like he is 
brick by brick dismantling this man piece by piece and because at that maybe you point, want to jam it into the Paco jet if you think yes yes oh my god oh my god and he's like and then when he finds out he's just gonna get scallops and butter everyone i'm witnessing culinary you know i forget exactly his oh, line. it's like i'm witnessing cu- on the cutting edge of culinary design you know like he is piece by piece taking him down but why it's so wonderful is because at that point that is exactly what we, the audience, want to happen to Tyler. It has been revealed to us what he did to Margot, who we are sympathetic to. She is our she is our audience surrogate. She is our anchor to all of this madness and mayhem. And we want somebody. You know, it's it's this fascinating motif that I love to watch where the monster comes to the aid of the person that we want somebody to help. And in that moment, even though he is also the maestro of this entire ordeal um he comes to her aid in that moment and just completely dismantles tyler in a glorious way that i that i i have you know i'll i'll do my soul searching later but i just i loved it like i enjoyed i enjoyed watching it i enjoyed watching him take this absolute jerk down and dismantling him piece by piece and maybe that's a little bit of my that ain't right but like you know, <laughs> my participation in the menu, as it were. Um, let, let, let's yeah. do this because I actually love the notes. You're, you're, I love the um, ingredients you're putting together there, Reed. Um, <laughs> do uh, I let's, taste let's, bergamot? <laughs> so that has been the part of the show where we discuss things that aren't just wrong, but of which might be said, those ain't right. That sure as hell ain't right hard pivot um <laughs> you know this has been flirted with by all the things we've said and 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 it's more meant as like crack open the cookbook here more than it is build one specific recipe but like something that really kind of struck me with this is when i think to one of your points you start to kind of see the scenes and i don't mean in a like negative storytelling way but in a just like oh man and and so the question that kind of presented itself to me as you watch them barrel towards this mutually assured destruction is like mm. how did we get here yeah like, yeah how do we do this to ourselves and and i think there's a you know probably a grand punctuation mark to make out of the burger stuff but the burger story point i mean but there's just this wild and and i think this idea is kind of what started to kind of stir my heart a little bit and 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 of just this notion of like appreciation affection you know how do we how do we cultivate those things like like you know there's there's we we just live in, we culturally live in a moment where we're all putting on the marshmallow ring and lighting ourselves on fire mm-hmm. and calling Chocolate it hat. Yeah. Calling it some version of okay and or appropriate and or the way it's supposed to be. And and I, I don't know. I was just really this time kind of struck by the because I, I to your point, Reed, about Chef, like I think it's too easy. You didn't do this. I'm saying I think marketing does this for this movie. I think it's too easy to call him a or the villain. Like that's too that's far too reductive and and definitively not even the intention of the character um Mm -hmm. but part of me really like 
doesn't side with him in the destructiveness, but you see this character trying to salvage what might have remained of dignity for himself. Um, I don't, I don't yeah. know. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm kind well, of and- heading in different directions, but mainly kicking open the door of like this, this question that kind of haunted me and watching it of how do we, how did these people all get here from a, in a, in a right. philosophical, in a, in a, you know, sense. And, and, and how is that representative of the things we do to each other here? I mean, hell, I'm sorry to cut you off because I know I'm trying to let you talk. <laughs> Charlie, you got a book coming out called incompatible about people's inability to be present with each other. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. <laughs> uh, read, go quick. Well, all I wanted to say is like, I, I don't have the fully formed thoughts to articulate this, but you, you just said it. There's a case to be made that Ray Fine's character is definitively not the villain that actually the, the guests who attend this most, sure. especially Tyler, but even the rest of that, that they are actually the villain of their own demise. And that in a very, very weird way, while Margot is our clearly our protagonist and our audience surrogate, that the chef in this case is actually kind of the hero for identifying all of this pretension and bringing it all down. At least that I'm, I'm talking about it in the tone of the film. I'm not talking about it in real world ethics. I'm not talking about it in real world spirituality. But what I what I will say is that like it's not just his takedown of Tyler. His conversation with Margot. Have you not- Did you notice this time around the connection that the pair of them make when he says i recognize a bad customer that is a real Mm -hmm. sincere moment like that he's not pretentious in that moment he is connecting with a fellow service industry professional and saying Mm -hmm. i know somebody who does not appreciate what we what we give to them and what we do for them um and then it culminates one of the one of the things that i found very moving is the the little verbal and transactional dance that Margot does with him when she can we talk about the cheeseburger for just sure. a second? Like, can I that, have it? Yes, <laughs> yes, I want that cheeseburger. <laughs> I had a cheeseburger today because I watched it last night and I was like, I want a cheeseburger. So I had a cheeseburger. Binging with Babish on sure. binging with Babish on YouTube has a the menu cheeseburger episode where he makes that cheeseburger. You should check it out. Oh my gosh, that sounds wonderful! But so much is going on in that moment. She not only is playing the cult game, she's playing the language of the, she she has decided I'm not going to get out of this by resisting this. I'm going to get out of this by embracing this. Playing I'm going to be yeah, I'm going to be the customer and I'm going to speak the things and I'm going to use the words. But I think also there's this is what I picked up on it. I think not only does she successfully play that game, but I think she really connects with Chef I think clearly chef decides to do this dance with her, but at the same time, when he chooses to let her go, I didn't get the vibe that he's just lost in cultish fantasy. I feel like he's making a choice. I feel like he sees her, knows exactly what she's doing, and maybe as a wink of respect or something is like, I'm going to let you go. Like you, like well played, well done, applause. Well, but to your point, I think personally, the bulk of the film he's it's not that she is the fly in the ointment to his grand plan it's that she doesn't deserve what he's setting up sure right of course and so i think much of the film if we if you talk about character beats and objectives and and intentions and motivations he's trying to find a way to let her out yeah it's true and so one thing i if there's a that so right of the movie 
if if that ain't right is uh learning tyler knew this thing hey that's all right for me is is the simple question can i get that to go because you know mm. she just cracked the code she figured yeah. it out she she's she's playing by his rules that honor mm. everything that has hap is happening and it also meets his intentions in the same moment is uh, yes i needed i needed a way to let you out of here that didn't break the game yeah we're calling it yeah game. And, and this will be my last statement on it for the for the moment on that moment is 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 just she also offered him this is what i picked up this time around she also gifted him with an opportunity to go back to what started it because she saw that damn picture on the wall where he's just holding uh -huh. the cheeseburger with a big grin and she offered him an opportunity to go because he doesn't farm it out it's not to a sous chef he makes the burger for her so she gave she gifts him an opportunity to do what got him into this in the first place. I'm going to make you the cheap kind that your parents couldn't afford, like the first cheeseburger you ever had. And so she gives him a the, the smile on his face. Ray Fiennes is an incredible performer, but the smile on his face when she says, now that's a cheeseburger. Like there's something real there between the pair of them. And they've exchanged this thing. And that's why it's a little twisted. But that's why I'm like, I think the pair of them are the heroes. Yes, he's mm -hmm. doing a thing that is psychotic. But I think the pair of them are kind of the heroes of this story, and the villains are everybody else who props up the the pretension and who sort of enables all of the 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 nastiness in this art form. And even though I am not letting Chef off the hook for what he does, I mean, he kills at least two dozen people plus. Um, but it's still I was just very endeared to the guy. I was very endeared to the character too. It's not just Fine's performance. All right, that's I've, I've said my piece about that. All right. Well, if I may offer an alternative, an alternative perspective. Certainly, certainly. Um, as someone who I've worked in the service industry before, not to the extent where I was um, sous chef anywhere, but um, <laughs> uh, but also working in the church uh, and as someone who's farther down the totem pole. Um, I, what I recognized in the chef was the narcissistic cult of personality. Mm -hmm. And I could not, no matter how much introspection he had, I could not see him as a hero mm -hmm. um, because uh, if for no other reason, he had the power over his staff the whole yeah. time and therefore his staff no matter what were ultimately the real victims mm -hmm. I, in my assessment the yeah. staff were the real victims um like if you just look at the service industry in general those people were basically human trafficked because they were living on that island there's yeah. no way they were making much money uh, and even if they were what were they spending it on because they lived on the island Right. Um, yeah. And they, it was, I mean, yes, chef, we love you, chef. Like, right. There was a right. huge emphasis on loving the chef. And granted, he would tell them he loved them. Um, but that's very much a, a cult leader narcissistic move is sure. I need you to love me. 100%. Yeah. And I love you loving me. Um, so I, I, and I had real problems, um, and maybe this is because, um, just, uh, you know, I'm a no name webcomic artist who like, <laughs> I, I get like the, the whole posturing of this and the, 
trying to pretend you know somebody who's famous to try and like mm-hmm. elevate your status or to get people to see value in your own work. Like I saw yeah. that all over this. And like, there's a little bit of me I could see in a bunch of the characters in the restaurant. Sure. Sure. Understandable. Um, but for the chef, like he's, he felt so entitled to whatever resources and whatever audience he personally wanted mm-hmm. that he thought the guy that paid him to do all of this stuff deserved to die yeah, because that guy dared tell him what to do with his art. Very good point. And, mm-hmm. um, I mean, uh, uh, if you're going to have complete independence over your art, you're going to be a starving artist because otherwise you need to have people with money to invest sponsors in <laughs> yeah they yep. have opinions about what you do um and yeah. uh his indignancy over uh his own customers when he has created an experience that he himself says most of the world can't have or appreciate like yeah yeah he's his own worst enemy so i i just had a real hard time in your defense uh, charlie uh yeah. my wife sides with you uh because i was okay. i was trying to uh, uh articulate some of what i thought i was feeling after this most recent viewing and and she was basically like no <laughs> it's he's all a, power he's tripping a month. you know <laughs> like, so, okay, well, so i want to listen wanna... to me read to listen to me <laughs> no 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 I, so so <laughs> i do want to affirm and then i genuinely have a question um I, so one thing that i want to affirm and i keep the, this book has bounced around my imagination uh, a couple of times as we've been having this conversation but there's a book God, I remember the name and not the author, and that is not okay. Hang on just one second. I'm going to find the author's name. I will have it in just a few seconds, plating in five. (laughs) Um, Okay, so the author's name is Amanda Montell, and the book is called Cultish, The Language of Fanaticism. Wonderful book. Cannot recommend it enough. The book is entirely about how fanaticism is bred and born of language that mm-hmm. um the way certain language and and uh you, charlie you referenced the we love you chef you know i love you you know it is the giving and the threat of withholding love that often drives cultish fanaticism like oh well, sure we love you we're you know there's there's all kinds i'm, I'm not going to re- recite the whole book for you but to your point about the about the sous chefs on the island this line stood out to me that I uh, second viewing didn't catch it the first time. Cause I didn't know what was happening. Second viewing when they arrive and Elsa says in response to one of the, um, you know, frat boy types, he says, you guys ever get burned out? I was like, Oh, burned out. And then she says, we never burn anything except by design to make delicious. And I was like, Oh, that's foreshadowing much. <laughs> like that's right. exactly <laughs> where we're all headed with this. But the genuine question that I have, because this is what threw me for a loop, let me let me first of all say I I I do see what you're saying. I do understand about uh, the villainy that that Schiff uh, has there. What do we make of the fact that if the story is to be believed, killing them all wasn't his idea? How do what do we make of that? That because when when the ladies are all there enjoying their meal and they're trying to talk the staff member out like, Hey, help us. Let's get out of here. I can, right. I can promote you. I can help. And she's like, actually everybody dying was my idea. Now I don't know if she's an unreliable 
you know, deliverer of information, but I don't get any wink from the film. Oh no, I believed her fully. Yeah, and so I'm like, well, what do, she and, and also, so, she also like tried not to cry when they were all telling her they loved her right? dish. Yeah, um, yeah. Which also, like, I thought one of the funniest lines in the movie happened right there when Felicity, who's like the movie stars, yes. like, you know, it's the emoji for me. And Lillian's like, it's, it's And um, like, oh, even here, they're still like pretentious. Um, oh, man, it's so great. No, so, I mean, my counterpoint to your counterpoint. Well, it's just a, yeah, just a question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. is um, uh, like in that service industry culture where there's a celebrity chef, like, um, okay. Nobody knows the names of any of the service crew, right? Like Tyler was so impressed that one of the service crew knew his name. And, um, Margot was like, well, did you get his name? He's like, who cares? Um, and so like this woman, I don't think we know her name. Um, Uh, you know, did they say her name? Well, they did. Yeah, they yeah. did. Um, she's Catherine. And the reason they say her name is because she participated in the dish prior to that. Yeah. She revealed that and she stabbed him in the and And we know Jeremy's yeah. name. But that, but to your point, we don't know the rest of the staff's name, but we know Elsa, Jeremy and Catherine. Yeah. Um, but, but from the customer's perspective, the names of the staff are irrelevant. The ce- yes. celebrity chef's name is what matters. And yes. so this woman... Yeah who is never going to be a celebrity chef only she has the honor of the celebrity chef using her ideas. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, so like if like for her, it's this great honor to have this out there artistic concept that miss that, you know, Slavik himself is going to go through. And so for me, it's a, for me, it's the emoji. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, um, no. on that, I do, I do love, uh, uh, when that character chefs, like, you know, where did you go to school? Uh, Brown, do you have student loans? No, you will die, <laughs> you know, or whatever it is. She's like, um, yeah, I, I get yeah, it. Yeah, I deserve that. Yeah. Um, although, Reed, I mean, I do think that's a fair question. At the same time, I think, um, you know, the fact that she offers and probably is truthful in stating, hey, everyone dying was my idea doesn't negate they still probably plan to kill somebody you know whether it was all the sure. guests and yep. she added well why not all of us too to just really drive the point home yeah, um, because sure we've, sure we've referenced this a couple times clearly not just is this a destination place for the food itself but their practice of some level of theatrics you know mm-hmm. you can see this feeding itself and and charlie i'm i'm like utterly sympathetic to your your note about uh chef uh as you know kind of villain uh, or antagonist and he's a, he's a very lovable villain but i sure, still well, sure would classify yeah. him as a villain sure, because i sure. think he's I a think sympathetic that, villain <laughs> yeah um i mean at the end of the that. day he's a narcissist and i'm i'm kind of over them sure sure absolutely and i and i think you know, uh, that is something I, I am very sensitive to as well. And I think for me, what struck me, so, so there's two, two threads here. One is if I have empathy for chef at all, it's what I see him see in what was him, right? What, 
what, right. what existed Margo. at some point. And he does, uh, he does value Margot. That's yes. Uh, to yeah. some it, degree. Uh, there's, there's very yeah. much an Anton ego kind of vibe there, but also, mm. um, what really struck me and why it let me overlook, uh, not overlook as in give it a pass, but the, I didn't focus as much on the power abuse part as much as I did. God, what gets us here? That, that question is what really mm. fascinated me this second go round. And, 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 and it's been referenced this sort of cult, uh, this fanaticism, like all those things are factors, but they're the tip of the spear at that point. You know, we, we mm-hmm. are at the end of the line, uh, quite literally, mm-hmm. uh, with only one person being Margot trying to jump ship or, you know, being able to unlock that cheat code. Um, but no, I mean, I, I, it's, it is multi-layered, um, and, and I'm empathetic to, to both reads on, um, you know, chef's character there. Well, he says this line to Margo in the bathroom, like when she Mm -hmm. first tries to, you know, like go smoke, um, before like the, the mess hits the fan, Mm -hmm. um, he says, I take my work very seriously and you're not eating and that wounds me. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it's very telling of his character overall is he feels wounded if someone doesn't appreciate his art um, and perhaps even more so that she won't even come to the table to try his art. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I like... I re- that was the moment I related to him was as someone who's putting art out there all the time. Sure. I, sometimes I get really like stupidly wounded when somebody hates something I do. No, <laughs> it's understandable. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, why should I care about this stranger's opinion? You know? Um, and uh, so I really related to him in that moment, but I also saw it as a chef problem, not a Margot problem. Like, she didn't sure. know him anything, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, you you said something earlier, Charlie, that I that I that pinged for me, and I'm I'm now remembering because it, it folds into kind of what you're describing there of like the narcissism, the 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 cultishness, and how you know uh, I uh, we love you, chef. I love you. She she directly challenges that. She says mm-hmm. you yeah. you don't cook with love. Like that's not yeah, what this right. is. And you've and taken it, the love out of eating. Yeah, the, it, yeah. It, it, it pops that balloon, you know, it, it, it sort of disrupts what he sees as this perfectly ordered, lovingly so uh, yeah. facade he's built. And, and that's, that's a real telling moment, um, you know, yeah. and, and uh, to my kind of ongoing, how do we all get here thing the the cultishness of the, the, the staff, but also just the willingness of the guests to keep buying keep buying in keep doubling down on like oh, oh no, yeah it's fine it's fine you know and even when they i don't know i don't know i'm just rambling but no point, but. well the, yeah, the, they, the, the, the way lily and, and ted like i think his name was ted like the way they continue to bicker over like who uses the better language or the more well, you know like she, oh, it's she's hysterical. always like yeah it, yeah he keeps, br- he keeps sending out more know. broken sauce oh, i love it that was so funny. yeah here's more emulsion yeah yes and, yes like, <laughs> And but like at the end, I noticed that some of the guests, some of the participants, they're all enamored at the end. Um, they've gotten emotional, but when he ignites the flame, they're enamored. And some of them say thank you. 
Like it's oh, yeah, it's right. really wild. Like some of them, yeah. When they when they go when they become s'more, they uh, <laughs> some piping hot s'mores. Yes. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but like some of them say thank you, and I don't know. There's this there's this odd sort of thing. Well, this this was rooted in the sensitivity of the book that I keep res- referencing, cultish. That book was written with a very, uh, with a surgeon's precision on understanding, like, hey, we got to get out of this arrogance that says, oh my God, they clearly must have been gullible, dumb hicks if they got roped into this cult. And it's like that book, pretty open and shut case, defines like, no, this is not about intelligence. This is not about gullibility. That each of us, if the right key, if the right tumbler is turned, each of us has capacity to be swept away by our own particular fanaticism that is present again, and and it's rooted in language. I, I've said it on the show before. Um, a, a previous guest of the show, although not on an episode, um, I saw him comment on a Facebook post, and and this has stayed with me where. Uh, our friend of the show, J.R. Foresteros, had written in response to a discussion thread uh, where he said, language is the key to imagination. And I don't know if he read that somewhere um, or if he was simply making his point very concisely, but it has stayed with me where I was like, wow, how we speak about a thing is directly related to how we think about a thing and how that thing sits in our own particular spirit as you know, wh- how we, what our relationship is with it. Um, and so it's, it's fascinating to me when we think about, we could easily indict, uh, and I'm not dismissing this when I say this, we could easily indict any one of them. Like we could indict, uh, maybe except for Margot, unless you just really want to, you know, whittle down on indicting her for her choice of profession, but that's not what this film is remotely about. It's it's about if you you could indict any of the guests, you could indict any of the staff, you could indict chef, you could indict the owner, you could indict uh, you know any one of them for any number of different things. But there is a certain degree to where we'd have to say like we can't judge them too harshly, or I shouldn't say can't. We should be cautious to judge them too harshly, lest we ignore the parts of themselves we can see in our own hearts and minds. Because to your point earlier, Charlie. We can see a version of ourselves in probably most of the guests. I mean, I don't have big bank accounts that somebody's going to put on a tortilla and uh, tor- <laughs> tortilla deliciosa, tortilla, <laughs> tortilla, tortilla deliciosa. So, um, you know, uh, but but there's a certain degree to which, um, you know, we can feel entitled a certain degree to where we can just passively engage with the world around us and forget the meal that we had just yesterday or last week or any of the other 11 times. Um it's it's challenging to me to think about the ways where I can drag people along into my madness. My madness may be certainly significantly more palatable than than chefs and Tyler's, um, but I'm capable. If I want to be honest with myself, I'm capable of dragging people along with it. If I'm not self-critical, I mean, Charlie self-aware. and I are here, aren't we? Yeah, Listen, gracious, really. like six years, six years <laughs> in, here we are. Case in point. Right. Case in right. point, um, <laughs> but no, it's just uh, it 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 is. It, I think it's a it's a it's a really compelling movie um, with some really compelling things on its mind. 
yeah. Any, anybody else, Charlie, Nathan, have anything to bring to the table, bring to the menu, any substitutions, anything else? No substitutions to the at Hawthorne, Reed. <laughs> Charlie. Okay. Any I, final? I have, I have uh, uh, opening and closing quotes from the movie that mm. I just thought were so priceless. So when they first get to the island and Margot says, we have reached the base camp of Mount Bullshit. <laughs> I was like, this is the movie for me. And, um, and then at the end, when uh, they all are about to die and he like brings out the bill and yes. they all like gladly pay the bill. <laughs> and uh, the one guy's like, no, 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 it's on the magazine. <laughs> and uh, the chef is like, in your gift bags, you'll find one of Varick's fingers, some granola, <laughs> locally sourced. Some locally Just, sourced granola. So <laughs> stupid and hilarious all at once. It's so, so great. I want to. I want to. Yes, and your inclusion there. We we talked a little bit about this by text, but hands down, my favorite thing in the moment in the movie is after Tyler has been dismantled, and you know they've been putting up the meal plates and describing what the meal is but when tyler is dismantled and it has a picture of the plate that he made and it, they just <laughs> call it tyler's bullshit that's the name of the dish and it's like undercooked lamb and, and like predictable scallops it's just, it's, just, it's the funniest thing it had me cackling the first time through and i loved it even more this time around it's it yeah. really, really great it was really great um well, if you gentlemen are good, we can go to the fog meter and uh, and and bring this, you know, check, please uh, bring the menu to a close. Um, so the fog meter is our unique metric of fear and God. Um, this is not how we rate the quality of the films, but how we rate the the kind of the gravity and the heft of the films. How scary is it and how substantive is it? So, um, Charlie, as our guest and, and, and you're an avid listener of the show, so I don't feel the need to uh, cushion your acclamation with the fog meter. What is from zero to 10? What would you give the menu for the fear measurement? Uh, I'd put it kind of for me in the like four category mm -hmm. because um, it had some tension and some unexpected moments, but mostly I think the camp and the the intellect of the movie made it just not very I, I i wouldn't really classify this in a fear category kind of movie. sure sure understood understood nathan what would you give to the fear measurement it's funny because charlie actually talked me into raising my score here um mm. you know i think i i am in full agreement that you know it it, it avoids traditional horror trappings even if the mess is a pretty startling moment but i think as a picture of power abuse run amok and conceded to across a board across the board uh an illustration of that phenomenon's natural endpoint i'd say it's pretty you know pretty harrowing a a, a version of that so i'm gonna go uh i'm gonna go six on the mm -hmm. measure um, I was actually leaning towards a six, uh, myself. I agree with you, Charlie, that it's, it doesn't have, it doesn't have like nightmarish quality to it. Like with the kind of stuff that we watch on this show, uh, this is a more accessible kind of piece. I feel like, you know, I mean, Nathan's wife watched it and, and I, yeah, I, I, I watched was going it back with my 11 year old daughter. 
Oh, <laughs> see, yeah, yeah, see. Um, I mean, I do, I do think that it's like it's not as gruesome, even as its interior narrative is. Uh, like what you actually see on screen is not quite as gruesome as all that. So, um, but but I'm going to land on a six for uh, the fear measurement for myself. Now, I'm going to be pretty darn generous on the God meter um, oh. because because this movie, uh, whether or not the audience will walk away agreeing with the perspective of the movie or as we've even illustrated your take on different characters could vary depending on, you know, just sort of your perspective on the, on the piece. Um, but I think there's a lot to think about. I think there's a lot to talk about and I think there's a lot that will stay with you after you have seen it. So I'm actually going to be really generous and give it a nine on the God meter. Um, Nathan, what do you say for the God meter? Um, I'm going to go for a seven. I think there's substance there. Um, I think a lot of it rides on the social satire kind of conceit, uh, but that is elevated <laughs> by <laughs> some pretty juicy performances. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just, just running with the metaphors here. <laughs> <laughs> you're, just, you're just going, uh, man. I, I, th- I think it takes that conceit and, and raises the bar with the performances that, that sort of elevate it. Um, so I'm going to go with a seven. Okay, cool. Charlie, bring us home. What would you give it for the God meter? Yeah. Um, so I put, I, I was thinking seven or eight. So we'll, I'll just be right between you guys and say eight. Um, okay. And I really, uh, where this landed with me as far as connecting it to um, Christian faith and maybe some things that are, I find problematic with Christian culture mm-hmm. lately is, um, this movie really leaned into the like all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God mm. concept without much um, uh, yet, you know, there's anything savable or redeemable about anybody. Yeah. Um, and I think that our culture really likes to do that. Like yeah. just utterly turn people into, um, but uh, only sinful creatures with nothing worth saving um such that like they even all saw that of themselves by the end of the movie like yeah you know the the only way out of this to the is point to that be they were part like, of this are, give me some more you know yeah yeah more <laughs> you're killing me smalls <laughs> and, um, um so i you know i that really resonated with me just the um seeing so and maybe that's part of my problem with chef was um sure even though he was willing to to die for this art and this sticking it to all of these sin- sinful customers out there like um i had a problem with the way he judged john leguizamo's character for being oh. in a bad movie mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. was the only movie he watched because chef has such a bad life that he only gets one day off every six months right <laughs> so like <laughs> i mean john leguizimo was still a terrible terrible person but that was his reason right. for bringing him there right right um, right and um just how easy it is to overlook our own sinful judgmentalness when we're pointing out what's wrong with everybody else um I'm going to, so I know, I know we're out of theme, we're in fog meter, but I, you've said something there that I, I did, it was bubbling in the undercurrent and I just want to throw it in here because I, I, I so resonated with what you just said. 
as I was watching Chef literally ignite everybody, and you talk you talk about like everybody being, you know, well, all have sinned or whatever, but there's a lot of language, particularly in certain evangelical circles, about how like, oh, well, um, everything that you do is just in service to the glorification of God. Now, I'm not going to litigate the theology of that perspective right now. I am just talking about the film, the menu, and its relationship to the language I just used, where there can be this way where people almost in in religious and spiritual circles relish, I get to be consumed and completely used up in service of this other thing. And that's one thing when we're talking about the 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 God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and 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 the great I am. That's another thing when we're talking about like a pastor in a ministerial position who says he's operating in those contexts, but then mm-hmm. it's all just being consumptive and being sucked in. And people can uh become really enamored about like I get to be a marshmallow in this s'more that is for the, you know, like I'm being joking, but I'm actually like, like no, that's to make, good. No, that's spoken like a true volunteer who was in a praise band for four worship services every weekend. Yes, that's exactly. <laughs> I vomited all over parking exactly, lot after too many ribs. <laughs> that is 100% correct. So it's just like, I think it is. And, and I would say this to, to all of our, you know, as we all are to all of the believers listening to us and, and even maybe to the non-believers listening to us, like, the 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 cognizance and the self-awareness to know like oh okay um am i really participating in bringing the full breath of myself to this moment which i deeply believe theologically is what god wants of you that he wants the fullness of yourself present in his presence that having been said is it that or are you just a marshmallow in the s'more and is this all in service of something that's to service something else and has been handed to you as a as well, this is what brings the whole menu together, and 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 isn't this glorious, and isn't this wonderful, and isn't this made with love? When maybe there's something uh, a, a little bit less loving, uh, I say a little bit uh, less loving, less caring, less uh, glorifying going on in the midst of all that. But definitely worth thinking about. I just wanted to yes and you a bit there, but we give the menu a six and a half on the fog meter, six and a half out of ten. Is what we have uh, uh, rated this on Yelp, and um, and so the bigger question is: Do you recommend the menu, Nathan? I'm coming to you first. Do you recommend people see it? Uh, after an initial viewing, that I don't know, I would have answered in the affirmative. My second viewing, um, yes, I do. Okay, uh, I wholeheartedly recommend that people see the menu uh, if you've got the stomach for it. Let's see what I did there. Um, hey. <laughs> hey, I've got jokes. Um, if so, you can appreciate the amuse bouche, <laughs> I can. I can. Just need to say what's it with the foam? Time. What's with the foam everywhere? The snow? No, it was the snow. Like, what's <laughs> with the snow everywhere? Um, but no, I recommend the menu. Charlie, do you recommend people see the menu? Highly, especially if you enjoy any type of food culture or mm-hmm. have ever worked in the service industry. <laughs> amen to all of that so um yes uh uh, the three round recommendations for the menu um charlie thank you so much for taking a late time out of your evening to be with us uh it has been so great to talk with you especially about this movie uh nathan as always thank you very much um and listeners thank you for hanging in with us as we say on every episode The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom and not the end of the conversation. In that spirit, we encourage you to fear nothing else and be on your way rejoicing. 
I'm going to be honest with you all. Uh, as of right now, this recording, we're lining up scheduling and not quite sure what is next. Uh, there's a strong, strong possibility that next up will be the Black Phone, directed by Scott Derrickson. That's that's where, at least scheduling wise, we plan to go next. But we've shuffled the the table around a little bit already. So um, so be on the lookout for to our social media feeds to see where we're going next. If it's not the Black Phone and Thank you again, Charlie. Thank you again, Nathan. Thank you again, listeners. And we will see you all next week. See you guys. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And you can continue the conversation in a variety of ways. Start by visiting the fear of God for links to our social media and episode archive essays, merchandise, and more. If you love what we do, consider becoming a patron by visiting patreon.com slash the fear of God podcast, where you will unlock exclusive bonus episodes, extended standard episodes, online events, and so much more. Special thanks to Jacob Hunt of tracermatula.com for our artwork. Our assortment of talented musicians, Andrew Nelson, the Island family, and Jackson Harper for our varied show tunes. And to Lee Wright and Reed Lackey for our theme music. Special thank you also to Tyler Smith at morethanonelesson.com. Lastly, be sure to subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice. And if you listen to us through Apple Podcasts, we would greatly appreciate a rating and a review. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. Hi, everybody.